Hello, and welcome back to the Come, Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I am the staff pastor here at Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. We're about 15 minutes south of Provo. Uh, If you're curious, don't know where you are, but thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining me. And uh, today, the schedule that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has made for their Sunday school curriculum titled Come, Follow Me, going through the Old Testament here in the year of 2022. This week, they're supposed to be covering the entire book of Proverbs and the entire book of Ecclesiastes before beginning five weeks in the book of Isaiah. Well, uh, we got to pick one here. Can't do both. Uh, So uh, we're going to go with Ecclesiastes, but uh, obviously book of Proverbs, fantastic, worth studying and memorizing and uh, gleaning from. So much to see in the book of Proverbs. But today we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to look at about five different passages, okay? And let's start off at the beginning. That's a good place to start. Ecclesiastes 1, the first two verses. It says, "...the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher." Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Interesting start to a Bible book, isn't it? Uh, The preacher says, all is worthless, all is vain. This is what the preacher says. Now, you'll notice that the... um, Sorry, I'm trying to do two things at once, once right now. You'll notice that the preacher calls himself the son of David. And uh, this is Solomon. We're talking about King Solomon in Israel. And um, he can be called the teacher in some translations. And I'm actually, the other thing I was doing, I was pulling up Bible Hub. Let's see. There we go. Now you can see. I I really like Bible Hub. It's a cool tool in a lot of ways. And here we see their parallel translations page where they just bring it up all in a row here. And New International Version translates preacher as teacher. So does the New Living Translation. But ESV, King James, New King James, New American Standard, all say uh, preacher. Let's go down. There's some other interesting translations worth considering. The Christian Standard Bible says teacher. That's interesting. And the ISV also says teacher. All right. But um, you get the idea. The, The teacher, the preacher, Solomon is who this is. And when he says all is vanity, it could be translated futility. All things are futility or pointless. Everything is pointless. Vanity, futility, pointlessness. Uh, NIV says utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's the idea. Uh, That's, of course, what makes this book so interesting and unique is that you have a Bible writer starting off the book saying, well, everything is pointless, meaningless, vain, futile. Wow. Wow. You don't really expect a Bible book to start off that way, do you? (laughs) Um, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. And we we get the idea right from the beginning that what the author is doing, what Solomon is doing, is he's walking us into the godless life. And perhaps you've experienced this firsthand. Surely you've experienced this secondhand, where you've seen this in someone else's life, where someone goes through this life without God, living just as a humanist, someone who's secular, and all is meaningless. 
All is meaningless. I saw a meme the other day that I thought was was pretty good. Um, or maybe it wasn't a meme. It was like a tweet. Uh, someone was saying it sarcastically, like, there is no point to life. There is no God. This, there is no purpose. We can all do what we want, and um, there is no moral right or wrong that's fixed in the universe. Everything is up for grabs. Also, don't tell me how to live my life and give me my space. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's that's pretty good. That 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 you know points out um, just how contradictory people are uh, whenever they say, you know, this life is just happenstance, mere random chance, uh, evolution, just survival of the fittest. Here we are, en- over enough time and enough, ra- give enough randomness over time. Here we are. Yeah, well, uh, we actually don't live that way, do we? But it it does put people in a bind where they can start feeling like everything is pointless, everything is vain. Well, let's uh, continue on, go into uh, chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, and we'll see more of the preacher, more of the teacher conveying this idea. Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 11. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun." Now, perhaps, again, you're, uh, something's resonating with you here with his description of what life is like. He says that he basically grew powerful. There he was standing in Jerusalem, a, a royal city as a king, and he had his wisdom with him. I mean, he is just an exemplary ruler, leader, doing really well in life. And he says, you know what? I've worked really hard. I'm going to enjoy all the fruits of my labor. I'm going to go out and I'm going to just sow my wild oats, so to speak. I'm going to enjoy everything that there is, and I'm not going to hold back. Now, this is very typical of our culture today. This is a very common mindset that people have today. I'm just going to go, whatever I, whatever I find to do, I'm just going to do it without regard for anything else. And yet, did you see his conclusion? It was still... All is vanity. So in this meaninglessness, in this pointlessness that is the world, I'm just going to use my little blip of time here to to just enjoy everything I can. I'm just going to soak it up, and you can't tell me what to do. Well, that's one way to live life. And uh, how does that work out for people, usually? Okay, let's keep reading. Chapter 3. This is a a pretty famous passage within Ecclesiastes. There's that song, that hippie song from the 60s by the Birds. Uh, The Birds had David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, and Nash in their band. There's a great documentary on David Crosby that you should watch sometime if you haven't. His life really exemplifies the book of Ecclesiastes. I mean, majorly. But uh, here here it is, um, Ecclesiastes 3. There's an appointed time for everything and for every event under heaven. A time to give birth, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted. A 
time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Remember that song? Sorry, you had to hear me (laughs) do what I call singing. So there's a time for everything. (laughs) Try to transition out of that smoothly. Uh, There's a time for everything. Verse 9, what profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Okay, I'm going to leave it on this screen here if you're watching on on video. I'm going to leave the screen up so you can consider verse 11 that I just read more as you look at the words. It's an interesting verse. And what we see here is the preacher, Solomon, he kind of backs up here, and he's been leading us into this vain, secular, humanistic existence. And he kind of backs up now and gives us the the meta-perspective, the the true outside of himself, objective reality perspective. And he says, God has made everything, and he's made everything appropriate in its time. And then he goes on and says this extremely interesting phrase, God has also set eternity in man's heart. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Very, very interesting. Now, we were just talking about all these different times. Uh, Let me scroll up again. You know, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. (laughs) A lot of people need to learn the art of throwing away, that there is a time to throw away. Uh, Yeah, that's so true. But we have all these different times that we go through in life. And as you read through this list, you connect with all this stuff, right? I mean, this is just the human experience. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Real basic parameters on the human existence. We get it, okay? The human earthly existence, that is. And we connect with all this. Yet, there is eternity in the hearts of man. So there's all these different times we experience on earth, for the and, and we have these parameters on our earthly existence. Yet, God has put eternity in our hearts, which eternity, by definition, has no parameter. By definition, eternity is forever in the past, forever in the future. That is, a, it's a timelessness. Eternity is, um, it, it doesn't have to do with time. It's apart from time. So what, so how do we make sense of this? Well, this is just the bind that the fallen man is in. The descendant of Adam, who is still in his flesh, who is still in a fallen state, who has not been redeemed, experiences all of this, where life is pointless, but you know, I'm going to make the most of it, and there's a time for good and time for bad. There are like mountaintops and valleys through this life, but you know, I I do feel like there's got to be more than this, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and it's this, this emotional ball inside of a person that, uh, you know, a person's kind of like a, an oscillating fan where sometimes, you know, things are going really well and I'm not worried about it. And other times I'm really depressed and I'm wondering what God has to say about all of this. And yet the person just kind of goes through life without any real solid foundation or answers. Uh, 
And that's a really, really scary place to be. And so I want us now to jump to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, because this is where we start to get some answers, okay? So Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, this is now Solomon's conclusion. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. So what's his advice? His advice is, get to know God and start living for Him while you're still somewhat young. (laughs) There's coming a day when you're old and you'll sit around and I mean, where does the secular humanist life end? It ends with just total grumpiness. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no rest. You've worked hard your whole life, and you end up being a grumpy old person. That's what happens. And you're shaking your fist in the air at God, and you're miserable. Well, Solomon says, before you get there, how about you get to know God? How about you remember your Creator? and you, you understand your relationship to him, that you are his creature, you're made in his image, and he is the creator, and you can know him. He has spoken, and he has uh, made himself available to those made in his image to be in relationship, covenant relationship with them. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then these are the last two verses of the book. The conclusion... When all has been heard is this. Okay, now, this is the very end of the book. He goes through the whole pointless secular life, and he says the conclusion is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether good or evil. That's pretty powerful. Here's a guy who's done it all. He walks through in the book how he's tried riches, he's tried work, he's tried women, he's tried everything. He's had it all. He's, he's tried knowledge and wisdom, and he had more knowledge and wisdom than anybody around. And it didn't work. It didn't satisfy that eternal longing that was in his heart. Because those are all um, earthly experiences, And earthly experiences cannot satisfy eternal longings. There has to be something supernatural, something immaterial, something that that brings the eternal to us in this earthly state that, that satisfies us. And so in Solomon's day, he says, look, fear God, the eternal one, and keep his commandments. Pursue living out the truth. And for Israel, you know, remember Solomon was king in Israel. For Israel, this, of course, meant the Ten Commandments and everything else that came through Moses, the law. They had a lot of commandments that they had to keep. So they're to remember God and to keep all of these different rules and regulations that God issued to his nation. Now, for us today, that's different because you're not an Israelite, most likely. Um And you're also living on this side of the cross, where you have Jesus saying he came to fulfill the law, and he died on the cross and said it is finished. And we have the New Testament commentary saying that he was a curse in our place when he was hanged on a tree. And so you just have all these different um, comments in the New Testament that indicate that we are now beyond the law. We're in a, a new era because of Jesus's work. 
And so the message to you today from Ecclesiastes isn't go back to the Old Testament and keep their dietary laws and everything else that were, that were given to them. That's not it. The message for you today is still to fear God. That's the same as they had. Yes, fear God. But to fear him through the gospel, meaning you understand now on this side of the cross what has happened, and you come to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You're reconciled to God, and now you're set on a life, live for him, where you're following Jesus, and you're dying to self daily, and you're taking up your cross and following him in faith, not to earn salvation, not to earn exaltation, not to earn a blessing from God, but because all of that, your salvation, your exaltation, your blessing, is wrapped up in the finished work of Jesus. And so you appeal to Christ's work on your behalf for your standing before God. And that is your great conclusion, I hope, today. Because this life is pointless without him. This life is meaningless without God. Without Jesus Christ, everything you do is vain and futile. Whereas for the Christian, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Keep on laboring because your labor is not in vain. For those who don't have Christ, all of their labor is in vain. For those who are in Christ, everything they do in his name is not in vain. It means something. It has eternal value. All right, well, I hope this was helpful. The book of Ecclesiastes is extremely interesting. I love that book. And uh, next week, we begin the book of Isaiah. Hope to see you there. God bless.